McGee-hee. E with the extra. Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Brian McGee of Gator Coolers. We're going to be talking about innovating designs, innovating products, and really kind of changing the game for an industry that's within your hometown, doing what you love, and also some American manufacturing. But before we get to that, I want to give a big, wonderful thank you to the lovely sponsors that make this show possible, Falaya Real Estate, Government Taco, Horizon Financial Group, Mallard Bay Outdoors, they partner a little bit with Gator Coolers, and Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge. Stay tuned to the end to hear a little bit more about them after the show. But without further ado, Brian, man, welcome, man. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. I'm glad to have you here. You were introduced to me by Barton, a former guest on the show, and now we're here. (laughs) His was a couple weeks ago, so it's not an immediate follow. And not not an immediate follow by any means, yeah. but we're here with you. What are you? Who are you? And what do you do? Uh, Brian McGee, born and raised in Shriver. We're operating out of Thibodeau now. Shriver. Shriver. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to finish it with Shreveport, but it's Shriver. Little dot in the map uh, between Homa and Thibodeau. Okay. So kind of like Thibodeau. directly in the middle. Gotcha. Uh, we operate out of Thibodeau. I live in Thibodeau now. Uh, our home offices and our warehouse and all that stuff is in Thibodeau now. So we. Uh, my brother and I started the company, uh, I guess, 2017-ish. Okay. And a long story of crazy events led us to where we're at now, which is uh, warehousing and doing all the customizing and basically running the business out of Thibodeau. So what is it that y'all do, manufacture, exactly? <clears throat> so right now, most of our manufacturing of the actual products, uh, the coolers, the soft coolers, the drinkware, are, they're all done overseas, imported, and we do all the customizing in-house. So we have CNC's, we have lasers, uh, we have designers, all that good stuff here, and we do that every day. Um, hats, apparel, all that kind of stuff. We try to source uh, locally from businesses around us or friends uh, that have businesses within the United States. Um we're planning on moving the manufacturing of the hard coolers here really soon. But for right now, we just do the customizing and also the boat decking stuff out of Thibodeau. Gotcha. Okay, so walk me through. So the the cooler that, uh, if Jacob switches the camera view that people can see, the cooler in front of us has this really cool design. You know, I don't know what kind of logo that is, but it's really... <laughs> found it on the internet. Right, right. Yeah, you found it on the internet. <laughs> it's yeah. really amazing to see that on a cooler that I've actually never seen before. So what's on the cooler is also the decking for the boat material? Correct. So... How did we how did we get here? Let's let's back up a little bit, learn a little bit more about your backstory. Where were you before 2017 to get to the point where now we're looking at a custom fabricated cooler with custom fabricated uh, material on it? So it depends on how how far and how deep you want to go back. Um, super super long story short, I was a, a pretty smart high school kid. Uh, I was the student that calculated if I did no projects and no homework and took zeros on all of that stuff. Like, what did I have to make on my test to be able to pass? Um, did really well in school. I got to college. I was in pre-med and really just probably at the laziest part of my life. 
Wait, did you say in pre-med? Right. Okay, so not easy. So in my mind, I wanted to be a radiographer. Um, I thought that's the path I wanted to go down. Then I started meeting with actual radiographers and seeing, like, I have to go to school for a lot. I'm going to have a ton of debt. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to be in school in college almost as long as I've been through the rest of school. And the BP um, horizon blew out. The old yeah, deep, deep water horizon. Deep water horizon, correct. That happened. Uh, two of my brothers and I had an opportunity at a job there, and we took it. Uh, probably the best job of my life. Uh, we were getting paid well, and we were on a beach. I mean, it's Mississippi coast, so we were on the beach um, next to the casinos and all that kind of stuff as, as fairly young guys. That was a great job. I couldn't go back to college after that. So, so what, I dropped what were you doing out. for him? I was running an office for him there. So we, we okay. had, it was chaos. It was, uh, hey, today we need 300 people. Hey, tomorrow we need 450 people. Hey, the next day we need 200 people. And it was getting them on the bus every day. It was signing everybody in. It was keeping track of everybody's payroll. It was delivering per diem. It was following all the rules that BP gave us. It was basically operating the office for them. <clears throat> um, during that time, I met a girl who uh, we ended up dating for a while and ended up being my wife. And in that mixture, in that process, I went from a college student that dropped out to working on oil spill to her dad is a pipeline welder. I didn't even know what a pipeline was at the time. Um, he says, hey, I'm, I'm taking a six-week job in Pennsylvania my girlfriend at the time asked if I can go be his helper. So six weeks, sure, we'll go make some money and you know see a different part of the country. <clears throat> um, and it was about ten years before I came back. <laughs> so <laughs> ten years in Pennsylvania, all over the place. Okay, yeah, so probably just traveling with him as a pipeline welder helper for a little while with him, and then I just kind of did my own thing. Um, I did that long enough and got into the operating and the welding and all that stuff long enough to get certifications and other stuff. So when I would get laid off doing this and it's the middle of the winter and you're in upstate Pennsylvania or, or New York or something, instead of driving all the way home, see if anyone else is hiring, take whatever courses I need to hire on with them, hire on with them. I ended up being a carded radiographer, an industrial radiographer for a x-ray company and working out of their Pennsylvania office for a while, uh, left them to start um, auditing film for other companies. So, what, what's a cardio radio radiographer before we a carded radiographer? Carded so, like radiographer. I, okay. I was a certified carded radiographer, which is kind of funny because I started out in pre med wanting to be a radiographer, as right. in like you take an X ray and the doctor views it your bones, okay, or your lungs or whatever. So then I end up in the construction industry as a radiographer probably I don't know six years into it where now I'm reading film on welds and grading them according to whatever codes we're in for that job and then I get uh, certified to audit film for other people so now I'm traveling around to other jobs and auditing film making sure that this is what it is um, turned into uh, welding inspection uh, my wife was my helper for a while. She got pregnant, so um, can't be around radiation. 
So I, that's uh, what they say, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> At least so, they advise it. Right. Right. So um, I know this is crazy. Like this, this is a, a a crazy bouncing ball to follow. So well, I was about to ask, did you stick with your girlfriend now wife throughout these whole ten years? But obviously that answered the question. Yep. Where she was your helper. Okay. Yep. So she's she's my helper um, until she got pregnant. Then I started, uh, I took the CWI, Certified Welding Inspector. inspector. Um, still x-rayed for a little while, still audited, started inspecting. Uh, the last couple of years of my career in the oil field was mostly inspection. Uh, I've got multiple certifications for different stuff. Um, anywhere from, I've worked all the aspects of pipeline or compressor stations or tank farms all the way from, you know, literal helping to environmental stuff to um welding to operating all the way to inspection and then like project management so super fortunate um i had a lot of really good bosses throughout those you know 10 or 12 years or so and towards the end of it we're my wife's pregnant with our third child and the other two children i'm working in the northern united states she's in mississippi so it was kind of like, am I going to make it? Am I not going to make it type of deal? For the third one, we were in a lot better place financially. <clears throat> so our job was uh, starting layoffs. I volunteered for a layoff, went home to be home with her while she had the baby. Um, took a job close to home. That way, you know, if something were to happen, she went into labor, I can make it in time. Right. That was supposed to only be a couple of week job that ended up to, you know, two years or so <laughs> that I was at that plant. <laughs> um, but I always had really good jobs where my bosses never gave me a hard time. As long as long as my work was done, they allowed me to do stuff that was outside of my scope of that specific job. So I, I was able to build Gator along with my brother, able to build Gator and do all the stuff that we had to do while I was working there. I think that's that's a really key part to what helped us be successful. And the advantage that we had over a lot of people that start up where they need this money to pay their phone bill, to pay right. for groceries or you know pay their mortgage or whatever. I was able to still have a career and do this kind of on the side full time. So, and I think that is a huge element of having employers that understand <clears throat> People have passion projects mm -hmm. outside of work, and they're okay with that. Yep, They're okay with them wanting to go do something that's not within their scope, that's totally out of the wheelhouse. I mean, by day, I'm a CPA. By afternoon and evenings, I do a, a podcast. So having employers that understand that some people need a different outlet outside of their current job, but yet it's not necessarily going to interfere to an extent with their current job. So, Correct. I mean, what – I mean, you're doing this welding, you're doing these – these inspections, these audits and everything, what made you get into or even think of the idea of starting Gator? Uh, <laughs> you want the uh, sales pitch or the, the truth? or <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you, whatever you want to give um, me. <laughs> so my brother, Mitch, this was my version of the story. He has a little bit different version because he was living it and going through different stuff. But my version was he's working offshore for a big oil field company. Uh, he missed the crew change that was supposed to come to him in 2016 for Thanksgiving, skipped out. So he got stuck offshore. He started saying, well, man, there has to be a way for me to make some extra money um, to where we don't have to work as many hitches offshore. I don't have to work as much, maybe pay off a car or something. And he started looking into manufacturers. 
uh, basically to buy some coolers similar to, to Yeti's and asked the guys on his rig, hey, if I bought these coolers, would y'all buy some from me? Everybody basically said, yeah. So then he sent a group text. There's I have four brothers, so there's five of us total. Okay, so we're five two, but we're three boys, two girls. So we're all boys with all way different personalities and attitudes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, he sends a group text to us and, hey, this is what I'm thinking, blah, blah, blah. Um, everybody's like, oh, you know, let me know when they come in. I'll buy one, help support you type of deal. And I text him on the side like, hey, man, is this like, do you need some help with this or is this your thing or I'm fine with it. But at the time, um, after my wife and I got married, first I spent uh, probably a year, two years in hotels. And then I spent about eight to ten years in a camper with my wife. So our kids are getting bigger. They're getting to the school age. Um, I'm looking for what am I going to do? I built a great career in this field. But for me, it's really tough to settle down somewhere. I move 6, 8, 10, 12 times a year depending on the projects. So what can I do to get out of this rat race type of deal? And I saw this as kind of an, an opportunity to, to help get out. I reached out to Mitch, and he said, well, Basically, uh, paraphrasing, well, I had the idea to do it. I don't know how I'm going to go about it. Or I don't know how I'm going to finance it, whatever. So I'll finance the first round. will pay me back, and then we'll operate on house money. Yeah. And that's not at all how it happened. <laughs> but that was our, that was our <laughs> that plan. That was the game right? plan. <laughs> yeah, like you have to have a plan. So we didn't know. I, I'd like to tell everybody Mitch is a dumb oil field worker, and, and I'm a dumber oil field worker. So we have no idea about business. We have no idea about, you know, we're both good employees. We've been great employees for everybody we've ever worked for. But to go from being an employee to being a boss is different. To it's having employees is completely different. To to being like you can show up every day, not even have to be good, and your check comes every week or every two weeks, however you're set up, regardless of how the company's doing, to go from that to – you have to show up early every day and you have to be good every day and you have to hit your goals every day to make significantly less money than you made before. <laughs> like it, it was, it's a whole different mindset change. Um, we went through that process, started it out, you know, basically he's like, yeah, let's do that. Um, I don't like doing anything. If I'm going to put my energy into it, you might as well do it like to the best of your ability with all your power. So yeah, you don't do it halfway. Exactly. So we went through a bunch of different versions of them, uh, several different manufacturers. By the time we got, we landed on where we are now, very comfortable with the manufacturing process. Um, I feel good about the logo. I feel good about the brand that we're starting to create. It's something that we can market. It's not actually our first name was going to be cool ass coolers instead of coon ass coolers. And okay. the, the logo is going to be a raccoon with icicles hanging off his butt. Like, that's that's a gag <laughs> gift for, like, a 40-year-old at the Cajun store in the mall. That's not, like, a, a company that we can brand and scale. Yeah. It's that's just cool down here. style. Yeah. That's Which, cool That's cool down here, but yeah. it's not something that we can promote across the country and really do well with. So, obviously, we, we changed that <laughs> a little bit. Um, and I felt really good about all those aspects. You know, Gator's a cool name. Alligators are cool. I've been almost everywhere in the country, and everywhere as we've went, like people are infatuated 
with alligators to some extent, or they they they're tripping out about the fact that we have stuff in the water that you can't see that could eat you or eat your pet or whatever. Um, you know, they don't have those in other places of the country. So it's, yeah. it's, it was, I felt like it was something that we can really build on. Well, it's that the element of the alligator people look at like for Florida, for example, like Florida man, you know, they show mm-hmm. these, these videos of these people in Florida that are just, or in Louisiana that are interacting with an alligator and not really caring that right. they're <laughs> interacting with an alligator, you know, for the lack of a better yeah. term, that it's crazy for anyone outside of our area to fathom the idea of, you know, when, when I used to go frogging when I was a little bit younger, we had a camp in Morgan City. We would go frogging, and we would shine the light, and you'd have to say, my dad would say, all right, there's two frogs on the right, but on the left is an alligator because the eyes were different. So you mm-hmm. get green for the frogs and red for alligators. And he says, all right, so grab the two frogs, but as soon as you grab both of them, get back in the boat. Because there's an alligator right right there. But then also just pulling up next to a smaller alligator and just, you know, grabbing it and then taking pictures with it is unfathomable to people. Yes. But down here, it's, I mean, it's what you do. It's what you do, you know? Like, you've got alligator hunters that are actually harvesting these animals for whether it be through meat sales or actual clothing sales. I mean, you've got gator boots on that are made out of alligator. And... Someone's got to catch that. Someone's got to do that. And so for us, it's common practice where, oh, yeah, it's an alligator. It's whatever. No big right. deal. You know, but for other people, yeah, an alligator is terrifying to right. them. You know, <laughs> it's it's this ancient dinosaur that's still you amongst think about us. about it, it is, they are pretty scary. I mean, it's really oh, crazy. Oh, for sure it's scary. But we just, but. we just take it for granted, I think, because um, I've had them in my front yard before, like when it floods. And mm-hmm. I pull up in the driveway, and there's like a four-foot alligator just, which isn't massive, but where there's one there's others um and my kids play out there a four-foot alligator can mess them up oh yeah like bad so they are they are uh everywheres we've went in the country everywhere has been except for the very first <laughs> trade show the guy comes up and says man i think y'all have a cool little niche project guys uh but nobody outside of south louisiana is going to care about an alligator they don't even know what it is. They're not going to worry about that. I said, well, Yeti sold a billion dollars worth of stuff, and nobody's ever seen a Yeti before. Like, that's a really dumb mindset to me. So I looked at it as the opposite where, you know, I'm in upstate New York, and a lady asked me to uh, record her voicemail recording because I had an accent, a thicker accent, apparently, to her um, at that time. They're infatuated with Wait, South Louisiana. She like stopped you at a trade show or something and asked to record her voicemail. Or I was actually I want to know more about this story now. <laughs> it's actually like in the mall, uh, getting fitted for a tux. And okay. she's, where are you from, South Louisiana? And oh my god, you know swamp people hate that phrase. Like everywhere, that's when swamp people was huge. Yeah, you know swamp people. I'm like yeah, I know a few of them. Uh, can you record my? Like, say, like, oh, she ain't available. She wanted me to put a thick accent on. She ain't available right now, but leave a voicemail and see. Thicken it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere we went, people were infatuated with, like, southern Louisiana, with the Cajun culture, with alligators. So that's really why we went with gator, why we try to incorporate alligators on everything. We're trappers. We have a trapping lease. We trap alligators every year, too, as part of our life right now. So it just, it all kind of fit. Yeah, it was part of your culture to incorporate within your brand. Yes. You know, like even on the on the handles themselves, like you were showing before the 
before we started recording is the handles are alligators. Mm -hmm. So you build and live within that element of your brand. And it's not just a name, you know, it's an actual part of you and your family going into this business that it just kind of all makes sense and gels together. We post that a lot. Um, I try to leave my family out of it most of the time on social media. I try to um, not post my kids and my family or my brother's family as much just because people are really strange now. The, yeah, um, they are. But at the same time, people have come to know us through the brand, all that good stuff. So whenever I do post it, one of the hashtags that we always use is more than a hashtag because like we always use camp life and uh, South Louisiana and alligator stuff like that. And it's, it's more than a hashtag for us where a lot of stuff has become content. Oh, what's the content or what's cool or what's catchy or what's trendier. But it's to us, it's, it's like, that's how we live. It's normal. It's more than just a hashtag. So it's actual lifestyle. I think that's why it, promoting and advertising and coming up with the little phrases and really just growing the brand has kind of came so naturally. Yeah, it's easy when you live it. It's hard when you try to manifest. You know, it's harder It's harder to try to manifest you're trying to make something. it up. Yeah, yes. make it up. You're trying to be like, I want to build a brand that's Cajun, that encaptures the heritage and the culture that's here that we can push across to the whole country. Mm-hmm. Whereas saying... This is how we live. This is just us. This yeah. is just us. Yeah. You know, it's, exactly. you, you didn't you didn't intend going into this business. Let's make this a Cajun product. Right. Let's make this a Louisiana based product. Right. You just said, well, we like coolers. We like alligators. It's something that's kind of cool across wherever you know the the plains across the country, the globe, wherever. That why don't we just use that instead? It's mm-hmm. wasn't sought out which can be hard for people to get that sense of authenticity if they do that method right. of let's build a brand focused around this if they're not that themselves. Right. So it's living your brand through who you are already is so much easier because it's a than massive trying to develop something. Yeah, because yeah. then you have to, you live it, you already know the history behind it because it is who you are rather than researching it, discovering it, and then trying to brand it people will say, oh, well, it's not really how we do it. That's just what right. Google says. How <laughs> right. we, that's what Google, right. swamp people, that's not really all of Louisiana. <laughs> right. That's just what's shown out there for people to see. Right. I didn't take a boat to school. Right. <laughs> now they don't wear uh, white boots every day. Type yeah. of stuff. But we do live that uh, culture and that lifestyle, and we are born and raised here. So massive advantage over uh, people that maybe try to just ride a wave of, interest from other people that they don't really know the really the day-to-day details about that type of stuff and they try to like just fake it with staged photos or staged hashtags stuff like that yeah it's how can we appeal to a certain group that allows us to really take advantage of something Mm -hmm. you know take advantage of the louisiana culture louisiana heritage how can we fit into that whereas y'all is we're here it's us it's who we are and even with this particular style of cooler, so this is, if I'm not mistaken, it's called a roto mold mm-hmm. cooler, which really became popular when Yeti came out in what the early 2000s. Early 2000s, yeah. And now it's like the go-to design that everybody's starting to do. Right. So when doing that and going with a cooler business, was there any like issues y'all ran into with Yeti owning everything on the market, or were y'all like going in saying, you know what? Yeti's out there is popular, but we're going to come in with Gator and just be our own brand. 
I think when we started, that was really the game plan. Um, as far as like <clears throat> patents and stuff like that, obviously everybody knows the big lawsuit with Yeti and Arctic. Um, Arctic was literally identical to them, and their marketing plan was we're identical and we're cheaper. Like that's begging like, hey, sue me, sue me. Well, because Yeti came out with like an entry-level cooler for like $400 or something. Right. Like it was so expensive. Right to get their coolers that that's why everybody just shied away from these roto mold. And I think Arctic kind of maybe opened the door and saying, Hey, Yeti, you can't charge people this. Well, Arctic went direct to consumer base yeah. where, uh, Yeti is a wholesale to retail and they, they created this space. They created, not that they were the first ones, but they created the expectations of performance of quality and of price. And they set the stage now people don't say like, "Hey, do you have a cooler?" Even family members <laughs> that we have now is like, "Hey, you got your Yeti?" Like, come on, bro. It's a Gator. <laughs> I mean, it's not a right. Yeti. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's just it's almost become synonymous with any cooler that's theirs. Like, it's a Yeti because it's a rotor molded style cooler. You have igloo and Yeti. That's it in some people's mind. So Arctic came in and really just like flip this world upside down going direct to consumer based where they cut that 30, 40, 50% margin that's necessary to go into stores and said, we don't want to be in under stores. We're in this location and we're selling online and we're massively cheaper. Yeah. And just kind of kicked everybody's butt. So when we came in again, stupid orphan workers. So not necessarily knowing the ins and outs of both of those, but knowing enough about them to be dangerous. Very expensive to go the Arctic route. We didn't have $50 million to start. We had what was in my pocket. So in a, in a empty credit card to max out. So <laughs> going the Yeti route where it's, you know, wholesale to retail where you you're pricing fair on the market and you have the margin to be able to give discounts to go into businesses where they can sell and make money themselves. We want it to be in the middle. We're not going to be the cheapest. We're not going to go the Arctic route because it's it's literally where some companies go to die. It's, it's not possible unless you have a lot of cash to start off with. We went kind of middle range, see what else is on the market, see how everybody's pricing, see what the history of their pricing is, see what the history of their products are as far as sizes and what what lasted and what didn't last that type of stuff and we just kind of went in the middle just to see hey what's the worst case that can happen we're gonna throw sixty thousand dollars or so at this and we're gonna hit the floor hit the floor and and worst case scenario sell it to our buddies for what we have in it and exit out you're still working for your oil field company i'm still working in the oil field no harm yeah um that's that was our mindset going into it now, <clears throat> I think we're we found where we fit in into the market, and and we really try to just grow in that space. And it's really like the the corporate and the nonprofit world, where I have you know ten plus years of experience in the oil field with different companies. Uh, Mitch has he's going on I don't know ten plus years at the company he's working for now. They buy these types of items all the time. So we're not asking people to invent a reason to purchase items from us. We're just saying, hey, I know you have a budget for these things. 
typically know what that budget is and I know what y'all normally pay, you'll go to the store up the street and pay full price. I'm saying, hey, here's the structure that we have. Here's the discounts that we offer. And the product that we offer has more features. We feel it's comparable or better to most of them that you're buying. And we're doing all the customizing and stuff in-house. So you're putting your logo on it. You're putting your picture on it. Um, anything from as simple as like a font like that to um, a literal photograph of your first hunt with your grandson or something, and you want to put yeah. it on the cooler for him. We rarely send anything out that doesn't have a custom pad anymore. So we, we figured out where we're fitting right now and just really focusing on that part. And I think that in and of itself makes your brand that unique element, right? Mm-hmm. So it's when you go to buy a cooler, exactly like you said, people are going to buy something, bring it to a custom shop, or it's taking a lot longer because they have to ship it off to a custom shop to then get it done to then get shipped back to you. Whereas with y'all, you've kind of, consolidated all that in-house mm-hmm. so <clears throat> how did you i guess get to that point where you decided <clears throat> to start ha- saying hey let's throw let's throw some pads on there and have some logos branded in i mean that is that's innovating on an existingly great product but adding a sense of customization that i'm sure at the time when you're 17 <clears throat> i don't think that was even available on the market to an extent it was, um, I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're really not. This is plastic and insulation that's been on the market for decades. This is closed cell EVA foam that's been on the market for decades. I'm not going to pretend that we yeah, the, invented the, something. The elements here. of it, right. Right. The difference in what we do and what most people do now and what most people were doing before we started, I think, is the level of customization. It's because it's very expensive and time-consuming to like that pad on the front of this cooler, for example, is very time consuming to make, especially if you don't know what you're doing, especially if it uh, you don't have the right machines. You can't spend two and a half hours on an item like that at scale and make money on it because right. people won't pay the price that it's going to cost to make that. So you invest in the right machines, you invest in the right people, you figure out the right processes, and now that two and a half hours can maybe be 30 minutes. Well, I can swallow 30 minutes. I can make that work. Um, When we started, we had a big company come to us originally wanting to get some stickers printed. And we dropped the the coolers off at a local shop that was printing stickers. They applied all the stickers. We picked the coolers up. We dropped them off at the event. The stickers were starting to curl up with the heat that was in the trailer. And they're looking and we're at me in South like, Louisiana. Right. It, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's unreasonably hot, like unreasonably hot. So the glue on the back, the stickers are getting warm. They're starting to peel up, curl up on the edges. And the guy kind of looks and is like, what do y'all, what do you want to do about this? And I'm like, it's a $3 sticker. I don't want to do anything about it. Like I, I tried to explain to you like this is, it's a literal sticker, man. I mean, I, we can't do anything about that. We knew customizing was a big deal. We knew um, branding and putting people's logos and photos like stuff, we knew that would be a big deal for us. So this is probably the most expensive way short of completely purchasing your own mold out of solid aluminum to customize your cooler. It is. Uh, you can print stickers all day long. You can do uh, certain wrap 
applications all day long. Some of the wraps work well. Some of them, it's literally a big sticker. So it could come off with the heat. It, the inks could fade with the sun if you leave it out in the sun a long time. Uh, even with UV-resistant ink, it could fade. You have issues with that type of stuff. So I knew they were doing uh, the foam, specifically C-Deck, on boats. If you can cut out all those complicated shapes on boats and do some of the design designs and stuff they have, I know you can do it on an ice chest. So that's how we started um, making C-Deck pads for the coolers. Uh, we had an agreement with C-Deck. That's who we started with. That didn't work out so well, um, changing changing the rules on us a little bit. So we ended up going to a different manufacturer for a while. Um, now we have a, a great partner in Marine Mat that it's EVA foam. It's it's not like um, I don't know. I guess it could be the debate of Ford or Ram or Chevy or whatever. You know, yeah. they all have their pluses and minuses. It's all EVA foam. They all have the um, 3M pressure sensitive adhesive on the back of it the color shades are a little bit different from company to company but overall um we settled with them we have a great product that we're putting out we have a great relationship with them and now we have the people in house and the machines in house to know how to do the complicated pads like we have here that are a combination of, of cnc and laser and the artwork that goes into that before it even gets onto the cooler Right, because that's, like you said, the stickers, that's the first level of customization for people. Mm -hmm. How do we get our brand, our logo on something like this without actually calling a manufacturer and having a whole order done, a whole run done? And having the stickers is the great, quick, easy fix. You know, get decals on your your printer that you cut it out and then you put a sticker on it. But having the foam, I mean, did you have any experience or knowledge of the foam beforehand or were you just straight up looking what can we put on a cooler that's going to stick so we treated it as i liked it the most it's the coolest version to me um i've seen some of the limitations by going to different trade shows some of the innovations people were were doing with these so i really liked it uh compared to a sticker massively different expense if you're completely looking for what's my absolute cheapest route, sticker all day, you can't beat it. No, it's, it's super you're inexpensive. Them, you're printing you them for it. 25 cents and, yeah. and selling them for three bucks, maybe. Yeah. So complete, you're, most of that cost is going into labor of unboxing and, and sticking the sticker and reboxing. So cheapest route, stretching your dollar, put a sticker all day. The sticker can be easily peeled off. The sticker will fade. And for a company even us included now where we're buying items to give out to to customers to different employees to whoever i don't want something that they can easily rip the logo off of like i want the logo to be on there as permanent as possible so we use these mats not saying they're permanent because it's glued onto the cooler but you're gonna have to work to pull those off of there and it adds more value than just looks. It is softer. It does absorb some of the heat instead of kind of amplifying it for the cooler. So technically the ice retention is a little better with the mats on there. It's just a whole different factor of this isn't a sticker. It's not printed. It doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't look cheap. Um, It does cost more because it's more material and there's 
a massive amount of labor that goes into it compared to printing a sticker. Right. And it's, I mean, it's also a seat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like right. It's, it's, it's a seat in the sense that it is, it's a softer material, like you said. Mm-hmm. But what I think is so great about this is a sticker will peel. Yeah. Like it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when South Louisiana and even in, you know, the South, region of the united states it's going to get hot and that adhesive is going to peel like you said for this you got to scrape that glue off yep. if you're trying to pull that that whole foaming off but once you did this what made you then kind of translate that to doing it for boats because you all do it for boats as well right correct um i think what happened was uh the week before covid shut the world down the first time we had a really good opportunity mm-hmm. so we started in my brother's house and grew to a storage unit and then grew to two storage units. And then when we were at that spot of like, we need more product, but we don't have the space. Um, what are we going to do? We were looking at building something. We were looking at actually moving the company, you know, whatever options were on the table. We had a really good opportunity to purchase the place where we're at now. Um, purchased it. Now we have a ton of space. We need the product. So while we're sitting there with, um, we purchased the building, literally like the next week the world gets shut down with COVID the first round. So now I have a ton of time in an empty warehouse that I'm pressure washing and cleaning, trying to get dirt and stuff out of mold. And what else can we do? I have to do something here. Like we have a handful of coolers. It's going to be a while before we get more in. Um, um, like a kid in a candy store, like I love what I'm doing. We have some really cool machines. Three hours later on YouTube, you're like laser engraving Cheez-Its and like just, you're, you're literally <laughs> everything. Cheez-Its. Yeah, you're literally like, you have to remind yourself sometimes like, hey, we have a business to run and, and coolers to make or whatever. But we're sitting there like we have the material, we have the knowledge, we have the software, we have the machine. Like, let's just do my boat or my brother's boat at the time. So we hand drew it out, measured everything out. We built it in a CAD software. Took forever, and it fit-ish. Fit-ish. Yeah. But uh, we did an alligator belly pattern, and it came out great. And uh, we had a lot of people inquire about doing their boats. So figured, like, we're literally... uh, Twenty, thirty thousand dollar machine away from doing this professionally, from being able to actually like plot the points and have it fit exactly where it's supposed to be, and making life way simpler. So, bought the machine, um, did a couple of boats, and all at the same time, COVID's happening, the world's ending, nobody come, everybody come, nobody come. Um, we bought additional machines. The building that we purchased was under construction. We finished that construction. We moved all the machines in the front, got set up. Now we're set up. We start hiring employees. Everybody come to work. Nobody come to work. Everybody come back to work. Let's buy another machine. Uh, As far as, like, scanning boats, we have three of them now that that are around different parts of the country scanning now. And then they send us the scans. We digitize, do the artwork cut them out of the shop. So literally like an idea. So what do you mean by scanning the boats? Uh, literally like plotting 
I guess would be maybe a better term. So it's it's a it's a machine you set in there and you plot and it's building like a 3D CAD version of the boat. Okay. And then you flatten that out and um that's what we cut the material to to fit those dimensions around consoles or different hatches, different doors, whatever shapes the boats are. So it started as kind of a a really late night in the warehouse. <laughs> Uh, with our wives probably fussing about like where y'all at like we're making boat stuff leave us alone uh did his boat you're a cooler company what are you making boat stuff exactly (laughs) but it really just fits it really just fits what we're doing here it's been a really easy transition a really easy addition to our company as a whole because the cooler world and the boat world really go together a lot um, and we were able to, we already have the brand established-ish and the brand built-ish. We're building and establishing, but we have enough of a good rev- reputation now to where it's not like somebody brand new. When we go to um, a customer now for the gator skin side, which is the boat side, it's they've already heard about the brand gator through this area and us selling ice chests and cups and apparel and stuff. For the last five years. Yeah, you've got that reputation behind your name. Correct. That you're not a new kid on the block. You may have a new element to your company with a new product line, but not necessarily a new company as a whole. Correct. So, and the boats, like, that is starting to become a really popular element of boating. Like, it's, yeah, I'd say, what, the last three to five years, maybe? It's really gotten crazy. I mean... I don't know how long CDEC's been around, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, their warehouse is very impressive, and they do a fantastic job at protecting their regional guys. We couldn't be a certified CDEC installer. There was already somebody in our region, um, and I'm happy about that kind of stuff. Not every mom and pop, not everybody with a tax ID can be a certified installer. You're protecting your brand, you're protecting your company, and it, it just keeps everything the way it should be, in my opinion. So I like that, but at the same time, that really jacked the agreement that we had early on. So I took elements of that to build what we're doing here. And the experience that we had with an established brand like CDEC and seeing the work that they're putting out, seeing their warehouse, seeing their operation, like this is way more than what people understand. And now we can basically replicate that and add it on to what we're doing already. So now we, the scanners are from our shop. We have certified installers out of our shop. And it's all based out of us instead of us being kind of a franchise of another business that. And, and that's also another benefit of um, coming to us for it, us doing everything in-house now, um, aside from the fact of the turnaround time being a lot faster, um, having people that it's not like three levels of people that are adding markup for a higher price or um, blame, I guess, <laughs> with issues. Yeah. It's, hey, if something doesn't fit, we know the person that did it that didn't fit. So... Like, let's go to that person. Let's figure out why it didn't fit. Let's fix it. Let's take care of the customer. There's a, there's a lot, in my opinion, a lot of advantages for us to be able to grow this pretty easily. Yeah, and it's also 
realizing within your company's history, you're at a point now where you have the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and some people wanting to get started in whatever industry or company they're thinking about <clears throat> may have to initially start by using somebody like a C-Deck or somebody like a manufacturer of the product that they're going to rebrand as their own or install yes. as their own and then sell off to their customers as their company. But over time, they're able to build up not only their knowledge base and their portfolio, they're also able to acquire the skills necessary to integrate and upgrade they're offering to include all these products. So then you're able to go to now and fully customize everything in your shop. You're able and to get everything done. Right. The, the trust was huge. Same thing with the ice chest. I mean, for the first couple of years, this hasn't like always been just like super easy and fun. Um, we've always been at these trade shows for the first couple of years, uh, a knockoff brand. Oh, it's a knockoff Yeti. It's a, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, now you earn the trust of people to show like, hey, we're not a company and I'm not a person that's just bought a, a container load of factory seconds from the worst manufacturer in China. I'm not saying China's all peaches and rainbows, but like it's not like it was where, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, sweatshops, little kids working. That's not the case now. But there's some companies that take factory seconds from those guys and they come in, they're they're like the traveling gypsies of the cooler world, and they sell through everything to make whatever, you know, beer money they need to make for the week. You never hear from them again. And then those coolers that people buy cheaply have a ton of issues. They're literally hollow. They're the parts are falling off of them, they have holes in them, whatever the case may be. Uh, to be deemed a factory second. They're buying them cheap. They're selling them cheap. We're not that brand. And we have a, a really good warranty, and we have a face behind our warranty, and we stand behind our company, and we have a family behind our company, and we're active and available whenever you call. So we want to make sure that people didn't um, carry that same integrity that I had throughout the oil field where you're signing on stuff, that could literally kill people if you lie about it or if you miss something. Take that same mindset and that same integrity into this world where it's just an ice chest. But you use that same mindset, and now I feel like, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but I don't feel like I am, honestly, <laughs> that we've earned the trust of, you know what, we're five-plus years in, we're tens of thousands of units in, we're less than 10 legitimate warranty claims. We're active and available on social channels, on emails, on now we have a, a shop phone. You call and we answer and we, we answer those questions. Earning the trust of people got us to the point of now, I don't want to say whatever we want to go into can work because obviously it has to mesh with the, the brand and the market that we're in. But we don't have to resell them that we're trustworthy on this side of the business. We've already done that. We've sold them. We have the trust. We have the following. We have the interaction. We have the, the customers. So now it's like, hey, if you're in the market for this stuff too, we also offer this now. And it's been a really simple, uh, really good transition for us. So going back to what you said about the, the, the knockoff brand, how did y'all combat that? Because I know <clears throat> very carefully. I, I, I'm sure. <clears throat> I, 
I'm sure at the time when y'all came out, <laughs> that was what everybody thought. Oh, it's another, it's another Rotomo. It's another Yeti cooler. It's yep. another Yeti cooler. They're trying mm-hmm. to sell it at a cheaper price mm-hmm. to kind of undercut Yeti because that's the cool thing on the block to do. How did y'all combat that and really kind of communicate to your clients and potential customers that you're a brand that's here to stay and you're not just calling up Yeti's manufacturer, hey, can you make a run for us and just put Gator on it? Right. Um, that's a good question. I think early on, my answer would have been way different than it is now. But early on, I remember our very first trade show, Lamar Dixon. Uh, we did the the Sportsman in New Orleans, and we did the Sportsman at the Lamar Dixon Expo Center, and that was our first two trade shows. And the very first container that came in several hundred coolers before the container got here we paid 1500 ish dollars for a corner booth 10 by 10 at this the superdome i don't know if this is going to work we don't have a budget for this kind of this is physically money out of my pocket that i'm gambling on might work might not work it's a big gamble it is especially whenever you've been living in a camper for 10 years and you go to your wife and say hey i know you want to build a house but we're about to start a cooler company (laughs) so we're we're taking um, a shift honey (laughs) no kidding so um we get there and you know the first guy that walks up to us is the guy that makes the comment about having a niche product with alligators and stuff and when you're used to people like kind of you're being in a a, i don't know what the phrase is i'm looking for you've been in almost in a, a leadership role for so many years in the oil field and people like taking what you say for hey that is what's happening to now I'm having to reprove myself and now I'm a kid in a lot of people's eyes and you know oh this is a a niche product nobody cares about alligators like I know what I want to say I know what I said in my head but what I said to him was man I really disagree you know nobody's ever seen a Yeti and they've sold a billion dollars worth of stuff this year I never thought about it like that we get to Lamar Dixon very specific old man I'll never forget his face. If I see him today, I'll remember him. He had a uh, a veteran hat on uh, and a Nike shirt. And he's, he walked by and in passing, while my kids are in the booth, and my kids are, you know, two years old, maybe uh, four years old. They don't know what's going on. But this old man walks by and looks and in passing off. Another Yeti knockoff. And I can't explain the way that I felt when he said that, especially like in front of my kids that don't know any better, that like this guy's insulting me and the fact that I just quit a quarter million dollar a year job to risk it on this business because I feel that strongly about it. And I said, hey man, come see. What's that? I said, what makes us a knockoff brand? Well, y'all out here with another cooler. Now everybody wants a cooler company. I said, what do you do for a living? He sells insurance. Holy shit. <laughs> How many people sell insurance? Now, I'm not trying to be mean about this. Yeah. But you want to talk about a watered-down market, you can't come to me with an ice chest and say, wow, what are you doing this? There's Yeti sells coolers. Why would you sell that? It's a watered-down market. You sell insurance, man. And you have a Nike shirt. Where was that made at? 
you're wearing whatever shoes. Where were those made at? I've even argued with a guy on Facebook before I became like, before I stopped caring what people, irrelevant people thought that had a Chinese symbol on his neck. I went to his Facebook and started scoping him out when he's, oh, another Chinese junk. Fair. Okay. Made in China. Can't hide from it. I'm not trying to hide from it. Right. I go to your Facebook and you have a Chinese symbol tattooed in your neck. <laughs> you don't care about them that much to tattoo them on your neck, but dang it, if the cooler ain't melted in the United States of America, that's where I draw the line. Now, don't get mad at me. Get mad at the generations of politicians that have literally legislated manufacturing out of the country. That's not my fault. I'm working to reverse that currently. Right. Which y'all are. Yes. And y'all are getting that manufacturing stateside. Correct. That's what we're working on now. It's not realistic for a new company to start up because of the startup costs that the country's put on that. But... I guess to to combat that another knockoff brand, the first few times it was to be awkwardly bold with people and look them in the face and say like, hey, I'm not a sales guy that this company hired to come out here for the show. Like I started this. I want you to look at me in the face and say, how did I copy this? Is Ford a copy of Chevy or is it two different brands? There are tons of similarities. They both have four wheels, except for the dualies. They they both have a, a bed on their trucks. They both have multiple options. They both have multiple colors. That's so goofy to have the mindset of it's a knockoff. Everything's a knockoff. It's a different brand. So if I were to go to these factories, which is very possible to do, and say, hey, I want all your factory seconds. I want all the ones that didn't pass QC. And I want you to put a Yeti sticker on them. And there's companies that do this. And there's companies that do this, especially on the drinkware side. All of the ones that didn't quite pass, I want all of those. And I'm going to sell Yeti stuff. That's a knockoff. Yeah. But it's, I'm going to sell Medi, you know? <laughs> right. Actually, our next brand is called Hater. All of our factory <laughs> seconds is going to be hater. And, you know, when you go to Lowe's and you have that that paint that doesn't quite mix well and now it's super cheap on the side, that's going to be the colors of the coolers, and they're going to be called hater coolers. I'm gonna send Nobody can steal that. I've already, copy, I've already copyrighted that. No, um, the first couple years, I took offense to it. In the first couple years, I really cared, I guess, what some of those people thought. And then as we grew the business, as we got into where we are now, I look at it as, you know what? We've been here five, six years. We have stuff as cheap as a $5 item sometimes. We have a $25 cup sometimes. We have we have hats and, and shirts and stuff. You've literally not patronized us one time. You're not going to be a customer. You've been knowing about us this whole time. You won't be our customer, and I'm okay with that. Not everybody will be our customer. So I honestly don't care what those people say. So I'd say, like, to, to new people starting up, you really have to work past that initial, the reaction you want to yeah. have. It was it was really tough, and it took me a couple of years to get past that. Because it's, as a new business owner, <clears throat> anybody that makes a comment to you, like you said, it's your baby, it's, it's your personal. brand that you've built. You take it personally yeah. as a new business owner because you're thinking that, their comment is directly reflective of you as a person. 
as opposed to them seeing the brand being one in, you know, seven billion people and saying, oh, in their head, this is, I know of a product that already exists. Right. Therefore, to me, this is a knockoff. And they don't take the time to go through that whole process of, wait, <clears throat> Yeti doesn't have to be the only cooler out there. Right. Igloo isn't the only non-rotomotor cooler out there. There's different brands that sell similar products. Correct. You know, there's what? Using your insurance guy example, there's what, 30 insurance companies across the country Easily. that'll sell you an insurance product? Easily. The product itself will vary slightly, but you'll go with somebody over customer service, over their finished product, how they handle the transaction, et cetera. Whatever reason it is, whatever justification it is, you're going to go with that brand because you want to. And you're okay with knowing about 10 to 20 different of the brands out there but you're not going to select them. Correct. It's like telling somebody, why are you starting a bank? There's already three or four or five different big name banks. Why do we go at UPS? There's a tons of shipping options. What's wrong with FedEx? And we, no. we overpay for UPS because of their customer service. And I'll be the first to admit that. They are more expensive than other companies that are out there. But they have the best customer service. Yeah. And it's the products can be similar, if mm-hmm. not really, really close to the same but it's how the companies differentiate themselves on the other elements of the business mm-hmm. is where you're going to win your customer's loyalty for the long haul and where you're going to disprove those people saying you're just a knockoff. Yeah, You're going to have those people always within any <laughs> industry. You're not only going to have people that say they're knockoffs, you're going to have actual genuine knockoffs. But like mm-hmm. you said, show up to a trade show, sell out of inventory, and move off to the next town. Yes. That's going to happen. But finding those those diamonds in the rough of products where people like you will take the time and say, hang on one second, let's, let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. That's not everybody. And those that do are going to be way better off than those that don't. Correct. Those, those people didn't see the, the literal years that I worked a 4 o'clock in the morning to a 6-ish at night oil field job and got home and living in a camper or a hotel with a wife and multiple children, uh, stay up till midnight to sometimes four o'clock in the morning, don't sleep for literal years, and don't pay myself for literal years. They don't see that side of it. So whenever the first couple of years when it was a oh year knockoff brand that I did take it personal. Now, couldn't care less, man. Cause I know I know what we're doing. Um, I know what our goals are. I know what our plans are. Um, and we've been smashing them. Yeah. So I'm focused on us. I, I, obviously, you know, other brands exist. You know, Yeti exists. You know, Arctic exists. You know, Pelican exists. You know, some of the other brands. You respect the fact that they exist. But I don't stress about anything. When I tell you, like, I don't care what another brand's doing. There are so many brands, even in our tri-parish area, that tried to start, and they go to our manufacturer and they say, you know, hey, I want to buy these, blah, blah, blah. They're on the market in Homa for two weeks. That used to stress me out. Oh, my gosh. So-and-so started a cooler brand, and their literal goal in life is to copy everything that we do and be five bucks cheaper. What am I going to do? Oh my gosh. Now a blinders on. We have a goal. We have a business. We have a brand smashing it. 
We're we're going through a crowdfunding raise now, raising money that's going way better than I anticipated it to go. We're bringing manufacturing back here. Um, you know, some people's everybody has a thing. Uh, some people's thing is are things. You know, the new car, the new house, the whatever the case is. Some people's thing is money. My thing is just like accomplishing. I think is the word. Like I want, yeah. I want to be able to provide for my family. I want to be able to provide for employees. I want employees to be able to provide for their families. The money and the things come with that, but our goals changing from where it used to be from panicking. What is this company doing? How can we outdo them? To now, like, dude, it's a several billion dollar market. And I know this piece is my piece. And I'm going to get that. It's finding your piece and carving it out in a way that no and one else And we are going done. to get that piece. Yeah. I, listen to me. I don't care <laughs> what the rest of them are doing. Like, this is ours. This is what we are going to do. So part of that, you know, raising the money, building the warehouse, buying the machines, Hiring the people, that's my thing is, um, you know, in a couple of years, if we can have 40-plus employees in Thibodeau, that's not dependent on the oil field, especially in this, like, massively feast or famine economy that we have right now, and be able to bring uh, very well-paying jobs to that area that has historically been when the oil field's up, everything's up. When the oil field hiccups, everybody's four-wheelers are for sale. Like, bring other jobs to that area. It costs us money as a business to be in Louisiana, where we could easily be in Texas or Tennessee or Florida or Montana or Oklahoma or several other places that would be literally cheaper to operate out of. But I really love that area and was born and raised there, and I want to change, accomplish helping there. So when my mind shift, when the when the mindset shifted from what's everybody doing, oh my gosh, how can we outdo them to, you know what, we here, we're not going anywhere, um, how can we accomplish, how can we help, how can we help change the, the skyline of Thibodeau, how can we bring people working here, not just um, not just minimum wage, sweeping the floor type of jobs, but good paying manufacturing type of jobs and like careers, not just a short term job. That's that's my thing. And whenever that switched for me, that really changed the whole company. Yeah, and I think it's it's going to play out in the long term. So. As we get to wind down the show, we have a set list of questions we like to ask everybody. <laughs> so you being and watching some of the shows, you know the three yep. questions that are coming. <clears throat> First one being, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Play baseball, 100%. I like it. I, I miss that. I miss uh, playing, like actually being carefree and just like worrying about like, man, I have to finish my homework to go to practice. Or uh, the games, the the walk up songs, the pitching, the being on the mound, that you know, the games in your hands type of deal. I miss that whole 
Eric, I wish I wouldn't have taken that as much for granted. It's those little things, man. This, the yep. sports and the camaraderie that 20 years later you look at it and you're like, damn. <laughs> Literally 20 years and you're like, how's it been 20 years? <laughs> That's the yeah. first thought. The second yeah. thought is, you know, how you know you're in the good times before you say the good old days, right? Right. So next, what are, I mean, you've been in many different fields. You've gone through a lot within this business itself. What are three lessons you've learned along the way? Mm. Uh, one is definitely to learn to compete with yourself. And meaning similar, like kind of wrapping up some other comments, you know the competition exists. You know that they're here, but that shouldn't keep you up at night. Like you need to learn to to literally compete with yourself, set a goal and and smash that. Don't worry about what these guys are doing. Focus on what you're doing. Um, another thing is that I, I, I guess where I'm at in life, you, you can't really do this by yourself. Um, having, in my case, a great wife and a partner, there's, there's zero percent that I could do 99.9% of what I do without my wife, without her support unwavering like can you imagine literally living in a 250 square foot camper for eight years saving money thinking you're about to build a big house on 60 acres in mississippi and then coming home and saying hey we're selling the property we're not building a house and we're starting a cooler company she's like are you sure yeah i'm pretty sure all right like i could not do the stuff without the support of a spouse I don't know that from if you were single type of deal, but mm. if you don't have the support of your partner, it's a whole nother battle that's not worth fighting. Um, the other thing is to not take people for granted, I think. Um, there's been a few people in my life that thinking back, whether that's teachers, whether that's bosses, whether that's coworkers, that really played a big role in how I got to where I am today. Um, and I tried to keep that in mind now that the roles are kind of switched with our employees. Um, sometimes when things might should aggravate me, uh, you can't take the girl that kept the office running while I was out for a month with COVID. If she needs to leave early to go get her kids, like you can't, you don't fuss about that. Don't take people for granted because true friends, true employees, true people that have your mindset and that are on your team and that are rowing the boat in the same direction are few and far between, in my experience. Um, so when, when you do find those people, take care of them. Yeah, that is, gosh, that's so true. All of, all of them is people help the company go, both in the office and at the house. A thousand percent, all the way from like, look, you can't have a company without a leader, right? Yeah. If there wouldn't be a company, if, if there wasn't a leader, but we wouldn't have a thriving or successful company all the way down to janitorial things or, or maintenance things. Like the people that really keep the company going now are, are doing the, 
unthinkable work that don't take them for granted. Yeah. And I don't. And that's in any business you do, whatever level you're at, everyone has a purpose and it's making sure that they're all know that they're appreciated mm-hmm. and they're wanted at their job. Yep. And so, those people that don't get shown that will go somewhere else oh, where they are shown that. Heartbeat. And in because heartbeat. I was that employee at some point, you know, and um it's too late at that point. So, you know, that's definitely one of my things is, is uh check in on your people. Yes. For a fact. Make sure they're doing well. Yep. So what is something you love about Louisiana? Hmm. Something I love about Louisiana. I think, I mean, I've literally been all over the country and to a couple of different countries. And I think the common theme that I don't know if this is a common answer here is just the people here and the the stuff you probably take for granted because we live here um outside of the food outside of all that stuff the weather is not something to love about it it's scorching outside right now um i miss four seasons of up north but the people <laughs> there's here, four seasons right and no mosquitoes like who would have thought about that no, no that's <laughs> yeah what that's would you fairy tales <laughs> what would you want that for um the people here in most cases are just genuine and we have several people that are from here that's helped our business in immeasurable ways that maybe it's just luck of the draw maybe it's just i happen across their paths but out of the thousands of people that i know i've met the people that are just genuine and truly helpful and truly care happen to be from here all the way down to holding a door open at the most simple of tasks you know see you walking in with a big cooler the lady opens the door up for me here so and it's that's kind of been an experience across the board it's the the people here i think yeah that's maybe <clears throat> that, maybe that goes into the culture i guess i don't i'm not really sure i mean it's it's all it's all part of the culture the locations, just mm-hmm. everybody being a community within the state, it all plays into all of that. I think we showed that through last hurricane season specifically. Oh, for sure. That was people that it, it didn't matter the political side, it didn't matter the race side, it didn't matter the what uh chicken sandwich you prefer, none of that stuff mattered. Um, we were able to all help each other out and get through probably one of the worst times that this area seen in in my lifetime um being destroyed by a hurricane like that and kind of survive it and get through it together and everybody came together in ways that we know we can yeah but we're able to kind of showcase everybody else what we already know yeah about how we all come together as a community yep so for the final question man what can i do to help you hmm i lost the briefcase of hundreds Somewhere around here, like they're unmarked mostly. So <laughs> they're, they're, you, in, they're, in this, they're in this room? <laughs> Somewhere, no. Um, I honestly just appreciate the platform. Um, I didn't know podcasts really were a thing. I've done a few of them now. Um, it's been a great avenue to reach other people that I wouldn't have reached. So I really just appreciate the opportunity to come here in, in the first place. Uh-huh. And uh, 
just continue to help other small businesses or entrepreneurs um, get value out of other conversations that you've had to. I've listened, obviously, to a few podcasts now, and a lot of stuff's helpful. So continue this platform would help more than is measurable, I think, more than a click or a like or a share that you can physically see um, because I probably haven't shared any of them and I've gotten something out of all of them. But in, in driving here, I listen to a podcast. I'm like, wow, I never knew this before. Or wow, I didn't understand how purchasing this real estate type of stuff happened before. And I learned something from it. And I, now I know that guy's name and I know that group didn't necessarily share it because I'm driving and I just got caught up in the moment. But um, just continuing the platform, super helpful. Well, hopefully we're not going anywhere. Right. That's the game plan, at least, and <laughs> right. not go anywhere. So, man, thank you so very much for coming on the show. We're going to link your website and your social pages in these show notes. But for somebody that's interested in maybe some corporate branding on here mm -hmm. or something of that nature, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you, to learn a little bit more about you, uh, et cetera? Um, so they can find us on social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook at Gator Coolers, G-A-T-R Coolers. Um, our website, GatorCoolers.com, um, email info at GatorCoolers, literally come stop by the shop at any given point in time in Thibodeau, uh, 1635 St. Patrick Street, call the shop, 985-387-1400, send a carrier pigeon, smoke signals, like we're <laughs> responding to all of it. Yeah, <laughs> carrier gator, we're responding to all of it. So uh, there's a ton of different ways to get uh, to us. I still personally operate the social media, which has been um, probably need to farm that out pretty soon, bring someone on full time for that. Um, so if for some reason someone reaches out and I don't get back within an hour or so, promise at some point I will. But trying our best to keep up with everything as a growing business and hiring people and training people and all that good stuff. That's, but uh, we will get back to them. That's the uh, the joy of running your own business, man. It's amazing. You're, you're at the point. You got you to <laughs> do it all. You got to wear all the hats. All of them. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, and I really appreciate your time, and your story is just phenomenal, and the product is amazing. So thank appreciate you for it. coming on here and showcasing that to everybody that's listening or watching whatever platform you are consuming this on. I appreciate you. I know the guests do as well. If you're interested in a cooler or something like this, be sure to go check them out. They are Gator Coolers. It's Gator without the O, and let them know you heard about them on the Patty G Show. So I'm Patty G, your host here with Brian McGeehee of Gator Coolers and Gator Decking. What's Gator the other one? Skin. Gator Skin. Yep. Uh, go check them out. Be sure to give them a like and follow and also look into their products if you're interested. This is the Patty G Show with Gator Coolers. Thank you all so very much. And a big thank you to the wonderful sponsors that keep this show happening. You're going to hear a little bit more about them right now. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Thank you so very much to our sponsor, Falaya Real Estate. They are the all-in-one real estate platform for you, whether you're buying or selling. They've got options starting out at $399 to sell your home. The average lister saves anywhere from $7,800 
on their closing of their home. It's really incredible what they're doing with it. Barrett is amazing at Falaya. Jacob, they're going to help you through the entire process from start to finish and really treat you like family. At Horizon Financial Group, we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence, clarity, and direction in their lives. We realize everyone's path to financial success is unique. Sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way. Whether it's customized financial planning, individual wealth management, or servicing your company's retirement plan, we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals. Horizon Financial Group, helping you provide, protect, and prosper for those counting on you. Visit us at horizonfg.com. Satera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is a separate entity. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove, concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They are a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish all across the country. For your next hunting or fishing experience, or maybe your corporate retreat, you're looking for something to do for your employees, book a hunt or a fishing trip with Mallard Bay Outdoors, and they will take care of you every step of the way from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip. Mallard Bay Outdoors, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show.